I hear that concern a lot. I mean, this question came through and it's not the first time that I've heard it. And it's tricky because I do think that they're you know, we, we even look at the animal kingdom. There are some species of animals who go to great lengths to essentially flirt the same way that we're talking about humans doing. So I think that there, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's something innate about putting yourself out there and trying to get someone's attention that, you know, is part of being human. However, this day and age, there's also so much concern, as you mentioned, about coming across too strong or, you know, being accused of harassment or something like that. You're listening to Love and Libido with me, your host, Dr. Emily Jamia. The goal of this podcast is to educate and inspire. My hope is that you will learn tools to create connection and cultivate passion, both within yourself and in your relationships. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. Have you ever wondered how to flirt? What kind of flirting is most likely to lead to a hookup versus a date versus a rejection? How can you be sure that the way you flirt doesn't come across as creepy or as viewed as harassment, especially in the post Me Too era? That was a question from a recent Love and Libido subscriber. As I was preparing my response, I came across the research of Dr. Jeffrey Hall, who has studied, you guessed it, flirting. I decided to reach out to him to answer this important question because I think it is so poignant and there is so much to say about it. Dr. Hall interestingly discovered that there are five distinct styles of flirting and each one sends a unique message. We're going to talk about all of that and more on today's episode. Dr. Jeffrey Hall is a professor of communication studies, associate chair, and director of the Relationships and Technology Lab at the University of Kansas. He's done extensive research in flirting behaviors and communication through technology. His award-winning book, Relating Through Technology, was published by Cambridge University Press in 2020. He has written for the Wall Street Journal and been interviewed by the New York Times, NPR, the Washington Post, the Financial Times, and more. He's also appeared on the Steve Harvey Show and It's Personal with Amy Hogger. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. My inbox is flooded with DMs on a daily basis with people just like you who want help with their sex and relationship issues. I wish I had time to answer all of your questions, but luckily other resources are available. Look, without healthy relationships and a calm mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is help is available. You deserve to be happy, and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. And as a special offer to Love & Levito listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash dremily. That's betterhelp.com slash dremily. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Dr. Hall, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on today. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So when I reached out to you, I let you know that part of the podcast is answering subscriber questions. And a question came through from someone wanting to know about how to flirt in the post Me Too era. Um, This person felt concerned that anything he did could be perceived as creepy or too much of a come on. And 
as I was preparing my response, I came across some of your research findings. And so I thought to myself, you know, rather than just citing this research, I'm going to talk to Dr. Hall myself. And so this episode is going to be a combination of answering this person's question and talking about flirting this day and age. And so I am so thrilled to have you on so that we can dive into all of that today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks. So before we get into it, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the field of relationship science, particularly flirting? Absolutely. So when I was a graduate student at the University of Southern California, I had an opportunity to work with eHarmony. And at that time, eHarmony was really growing into uh, you know, a major player in all online dating. And this was kind of before the process where we had options such as Tinder and Grindr preceded that. And even actually at that time, we were really looking at sort of only a few kind of options for how people wanted to meet. And one of the things that eHarmony ran into was that they would match people, but they would find that when they met face to face, they weren't just, they weren't clicking, they weren't hitting it off. And we all know the idea of somebody who we otherwise are compatible with, but just not quite getting the message or not quite feeling that sense of connection. So eHarmony actually asked me to work on something that was called Flirting Styles Inventory. Um, and that all came about because that I was working on a project with my advisor on nonverbal behaviors and their association with being uh, effective at delivering a first line or uh, more, more or less being effective at being a flirt. And what this eHarmony kind of profile pro process kind of came out was that there are a lot of different ways to flirt, that there's not just one way to do it. There's not one way to be effective, that it has a lot to do with the kind of goals that you want to accomplish or what kind of message you want to deliver. And so that your flirting style is a reflection of the kind of person you are, but also what you are like in a relationship or kind of relationship you're looking for. So all of my work from that time was really focused on this idea that the five flirting styles were a way of translating what you feel is important about yourself and how you connect with one another, but also like how you want another person to see you in terms of being too forward or too aggressive. And so your mm -hmm. initial question about how do you go about the process of communicating a message very clearly while also running the risk of being too aggressive or coming on too strong, that tension has been around, I imagine, since time immemorial. Like, I don't, I don't know that there's ever been a time <laughs> where this was not a problem. <laughs> But yeah. you're right. In this particular time and age, you know, there is a particular concern about men being too aggressive in ways that can be construed as being harassment or otherwise. And, and we need to be sensitive to the fact that those issues are, are pressing and important at all times, but really got their level of uh, focus that they deserve recently. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I hear that concern a lot. I mean, the, this question came through and it's not the first time that I've heard it. And it's tricky because I do think that they're you know, we, we even look at the animal kingdom. There are some species of animals who go to great lengths to essentially flirt the same way that we're talking about humans doing. So I think that there, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's something innate about putting yourself out there and trying to get someone's attention that, you know, is part of being human. However, this day and age, there's also so much concern, as you mentioned, about coming across too strong or you know, being accused of harassment or something like that. So before we get into that, let's talk about the five styles of flirting. And I would love to hear examples of each one so that people can kind of get a sense of where they may fit in and what style would work best for them. Absolutely. So the five floating styles, uh, you can take this right now. So anyone listening can look up the five floating styles. It's still co-hosted by um, KU, University of Kansas. 
And what you do is you answer a questionnaire, and that questionnaire then gives you results that are based on people who are your same uh, age, age range, and your same uh, sex. So the idea is, is that you're compared um, to other people that are just like you. One thing I would say to your listeners is that it's designed currently for people who are heterosexual and cisgender. Um, I have done some work to actually establish that it works pretty well for individuals who identify as bisexual. And there is some evidence that it works also with um, people who are gay or lesbian. However, people who don't identify with male or female categories or otherwise, I have not adapted my floating styles measure to work in those circumstances. So I just want to give that okay. note of caution. Yeah. Uh, that said... You. Yeah. And so it's I, I apologize for its lack of inclusivity, but I think that for listeners who identify as a cisgender and heterosexual, it's going to be um, it's proven to be a very valuable tool. Mm -hmm. So what this is all about is self-discovery. You know, this beginning of this process, when I thought about writing the book, The Five Floating Styles, I wanted to write it to a younger version of myself to tell me mm -hmm. the message. There's no good or one way to do it. It's not like you're bad at flirting if you don't do it in a way that's conventionally seen as flirting. So let me give you an example. One of the flirting styles is the physical flirting style. Physical flirting style is associated with being more physically aggressive, being more uh, using your physicality, your sense of touch, uh, your sense of intimacy created through um, you know, nonverbal behaviors as establishing a connection and showing that you're attracted to someone. Interestingly, this is a style that actually scores higher for women than for men. It's one that also tends to grow a little bit as people get a little bit older and they become more comfortable with themselves and what they're interested in and who they're interested in. A second flirting style, uh, one that also kind of relates to kind of the traditional sense of what flirting is, is called the playful flirting style. What's fascinating about the playful flirts is they have essentially disconnected the idea of flirting with interest. So they flirt for all kinds of reasons, to make a sale, to convince someone of something, to flatter someone, to actually make someone jealous, and also just to kind of make themselves feel good. So they understand that flirting is a set of behaviors that they can enact and they can kind of pull it out of their back pocket and use it at whatever they need to as a tool of being, you know, convincing and charming and that kind of thing. But so I say these it's are people who who may flirt for the sake of flirting because to do so is fun in and of itself. Bingo. It's fun okay. within itself. <laughs> and interestingly, they don't mean anything by it. So they're very likely to basically be like, I don't know why people are taking this so seriously. It's just, you know, fun, right? Yeah. So those flirting styles would be ones that people typically think of when they think of someone who's a flirt. You know, a person who's a great flirt often has no sort of attachment to the idea of relationship, or they're really good at the physicality or both. And these two flirting styles are associated with each other, although they're separate. So to clarify, um, other, let me ask you real quick. So to clarify yeah. the physical style of flirting, that may be coming up to someone and putting your hand on the side of their arm or putting yourself in close proximity to right. them, putting a hand on their leg, something like that. Right. Eye contact, okay. leaning in, okay. you know, being more sort of physically forward. Mm -hmm. um, but it also means a comfort with saying things more directly. So physical flirts are more likely to use pickup lines. They're more likely to mm -hmm. want to speed through the process of getting to know someone online before they meet them. They're more likely to self-report being willing to share pics or, you know, send sex or otherwise when they're okay. doing online dating. They're just, they're much more comfortable with the idea that sexuality and physicality is part of their process of developing interest and they move quickly into it. Um, okay. And though playful flirts might use similar strategies, they really are indifferent about the outcome. So okay. physical flirts are looking to connect. 
the playful flirts are like, eh. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is, is when I did a study of a hundred individuals who were meeting for the first time and talking to each other in a video recorded lab, I found that similar behaviors came non-verbally when, when not just self-reported about what I do, but also what people do when they're actually meeting somebody they could potentially date. Um, the other two flirting styles are ones that I think are, are nice complements to this. The sincere flirting style is made for folks who use a connection through disclosure, uh, mm. through talking, through finding out what's what makes you tick, what's important okay. to you. It's the only flirting style that says having having an intellectually engaging conversation is sexy. Like they okay. they think the idea of connection is created through I'm getting to know you and I'm sharing parts of myself in this disclosive way. Mm-hmm. And so they find that a person who being open, a person being, you know, open to self-disclosure and forthcoming is really an exciting process of getting to know someone. And they do so through their words. Um, a polite flirting style, and the last one, is one who's really reticent to make any sort of physical moves in order to move the relationship along. These would kind of be the group of people who would be the least likely to ever be accused of doing in something improprietous. You know, they're okay. very concerned with being respectful. Um, men who are high and polite flirting say things like, I show a woman I'm interested in her by not being aggressive, by not being too forward, because I'm showing that I respect women, I respect that woman's bodily autonomy or otherwise. They also tend to get to know their uh, people who they flirt with uh, for a really long time before they make like an obvious statement. So for example, Mm -hmm. they may get to know someone at work or through friends and then ask them out like months later and be like, Hey, I've been interested in you for a while. And another person like, wait, you were interested in me? Like, why did you wait four months before that? And they were always kind of cultivating that sense of connection without being inappropriate. So these people are more likely to establish a friendship before. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. yep, you've got it. And so actually the Polite flirts are also the most likely to have had a friendship or a long kind of informal relationship like at work before they develop a romantic relationship. Got it. The last style is one that's really tied to gender roles. Uh, It's the idea that men should be the aggressor, the pursuer, should take the first move, should be sort of more forthcoming. Women should be yielding, passive, or also kind of coy, right? Interested, but not interested. Kind of showing that back and forth. And the reason that flirting style I think is so important is that whether or not, um, I've talked to individuals who identify as gay and lesbian as well, someone has to take the lead. There there Mm -hmm. has to be someone who's doing the pursuing and the pursued. What's interesting is those dynamics also exist in same-sex attracted communities. Mm -hmm. But in our conventional community of heterosexual courtship, that role is very clearly prescribed by your by your gender, right? So that men are supposed to do that. And so men who ag- agree with this flirting style see themselves as a gallant, you know, a gallant <laughs> stepping in and kind of buying drinks and being a bit of a show. And women uh-huh. see themselves as being flirtatious by being so coy, so dismissive, or even teasing, like pushing a man away, yeah. um, that they play up those gender roles when okay. they establish courtship. Got it. Okay. So to summarize, we have traditional, which you just explained, these more traditional gender roles we typically think of with flirting, men being the pursuer, women being a bit more coy, kind of playing both sides. We've got sincere. These people are looking immediately to seek an emotional connection and right off the bat are building intimacy with people that they're flirting with. We've got the playful flirters who are flirting for the sake of flirting and really don't care too much about the outcome. And then we've got the polite flirters who are really focusing on establishing maybe a more platonic connection 
Yeah, I would say like a meaningful connection that might lead to romance. They really want to get to know somebody before they make any romantic overtures. Okay, okay. And then finally, the physical flirters who are sitting close by you, may touch you, or holding eye contact, and whose whose goal is really to establish a sexual interest right off the bat. Quickly, yeah, quickly. (laughs) They're going to move through. Okay, okay. So- How can someone determine what style of flirting may work best for them? Because I imagine your personality plays a huge role into how you flirt with someone. You're absolutely right. So the first thing that I point out about this is that when people go to the process of filling out the questionnaire, finding out what their flirting style is, people are usually high on about two of these. So it's not the case that you're just one or the other. You have several parts of yourself. Um, and what's interesting is that the pairing of those parts often are, when I've interviewed people who have taken the floating styles inventory and talked about it, they often find something fascinating. They go, oh, that makes total sense because some floating styles are going to be more effective for certain things than others. So for example, you know, for a person who finds it really difficult to get their message across, but find themselves actually scoring really high and polite, they go, that makes sense. People who are in polite flirting styles struggle with making that clear that they're interested in someone else because they're so careful. On the other hand, a person who often over-assumes everyone's interested in me and I'm so attractive and all that kind of stuff might also be someone who's really high in in physical flirts because they typically wouldn't be so forthcoming with their attraction if they didn't assume it wasn't reciprocal. So they often way over-interpret another person's interest as being much higher than it really is. So it's interesting is each one of these five styles has challenges and benefits. It has ways that are really going to work and ways that are going to be a little more difficult. So Mm -hmm. what I recommend for folks is to think about what their flirting style is as a way to kind of move forward with their um, with their relationship goals, whatever it is that they're struggling with. They can learn more about what can work with them naturally by their personality and relationship goals and actually try to do that some more. So basically figure out what works for you through the flirting styles inventory, and then do more of the things that are going to get past the barriers or struggles that you face. That makes a lot of sense. And what do your studies find to be the most effective in terms of establishing a relationship connection or too effective in the sense that flirting then leads to a date or a second date? Absolutely. So For example, people who are playful flirts really struggle to get past that first date. Uh, Playful Mm. flirts often find the next thing around the corner to be the most exciting thing, right? So so the person in front of them is not the most interesting person necessarily. It's the next person, you know, so this would kind of be the the challenges that people face in online dating where they're even on a date, perhaps scrolling through Tinder. A playful flirt would be very much characteristic of this. They really, by self-report, are more likely to have short-term relationships and they struggle with having more committed relationships. Um, you know, by contrast, people who are polite take a really long time, but they also tend to have really long relationships. Sincere flirts tend to actually be pretty good people both to date and to break up with. They're one, they're the only flirting style who actually is usually on amicable terms with their ex. Um, so all of these have different goals. Cause if you think about it, my goal at this point of my life might be that I want to meet, you know, someone who's going to be a long-term partner. But I might also have a goal, even though I'm the same age or otherwise as another person, where I just want to meet somebody for the next couple of months because I'm going to be moving away anyway or just too busy right now or there's nothing important going on. The point that I'm trying to get at here is that people have different goals for relationships as their life changes. So as a consequence, one way of flirting is not going to be suitable for all of the possible ways that you can develop different trajectories in life. 
That makes a lot of sense. So I think it's what I'm hearing is that it's important for people to spend some time thinking about what they're wanting out of this interaction with the person. Are they looking, are they in a place in their life where they're looking to establish a longer term relationship or are they wanting to hook up or are they just wanting to have a little fun, grab dinner with a new person and get to know them. But that may all determine how you flirt with another person. Absolutely. And so what I would say about that, and, and you're right, people need some self-reflection and figuring out what it is that they want. And it could be different for one particular person than at this time of their life. So what I mean by that is you may just be at a time of your life where you're not particularly interested in developing anything serious, but you meet someone really special that you want to try to make it move forward with. Mm -hmm. So what's fascinating about flirting to me as a person who researches this is that even if you have kind of a go-to set of ways to communicate your attraction, they may not be all that suitable if you meet one specific person that you want to get to know. And now a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Is emotional and physical intimacy a challenge in your relationship? Do you long for the feeling you had in the honeymoon phase? You're not alone. I've created a tried and true method for reinvigorating your relationship. My private online workshop takes an innovative yet scientifically based approach to teaching you the tools to cultivate passion and create connection that lasts. Visit emilyjamia.com slash workshop for your free trial. I am so confident that you'll have a positive outcome that I've created a 100% money back guarantee. You really have nothing to lose. And if that's not reason enough, subscribers to my podcast get 50% off. Subscribe to the show and use code half off at checkout. Offer expires at the end of the week. Visit emilyjamia.com slash workshop today. And now back to the episode. I'm curious what your opinion is on books like the game, you know, how to be the ultimate pickup artist or the rules, which I think came after the game, which was written for women on how to respond to these kinds of guys. So these books are all about how to pick people (laughs) up and how to get into relationship. What's your opinion on some of these guidebooks? I used to call myself the anti-flirting, uh, you know, basically the the anti, uh, what do you call it? Like pickup artist. I was, <laughs> I was, I was against being a pickup artist. Okay. And um, there's a couple reasons for that. One is, is I think books like the game, unfortunately, are, are, are trying to teach men predatory tricks. And okay. I find a lot of the straightforward, I mean, I've read the game by Neil Strauss and, and, mm-hmm. you know, he participated in this communities. Um, but, you know, he was always trying to take the role of kind of ethnographer and journalist. Yeah. Um, however, there are existing people who continue on and they always have new versions of themselves. There are sometimes reality shows about them and otherwise. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, I think, treats this sort of process of getting to know somebody with this level of contempt uh, that I, I just can't agree with. I, I think it's not it's not an ethical way to go about being uh, effective at flirting. Yeah. Um, that said, I would also like to say that practicing things like talking to people practicing having a quick conversation, being confident when you walk up and introduce yourself to someone, those are actually really great skills. So even if the game may have taken a lot of useful skills and used them in ways that I find predatory, the broader kind of idea of you have to get comfortable with the idea of talking to people, making those first connections, asking questions and showing interest. But also in some ways, the game also teaches to be okay with it not always working out. Mm-hmm. As much as that I'm not a fan with of the ideas they're trying to, to, to promote there, I do think that it is valuable to recognize that every time you talk to somebody is not going to necessarily turn out well, right? Mm-hmm. You have to talk to more than one person usually to find someone who's also open to the same kind of relationship you are. When it comes to the books that are kind of like the the female version of the game, you know, there's really not a lot of good evidence that suggests that being um, 
pulling and pushing away at the beginning stages of relationship are effective. Um, people tend to actually prefer someone who is open and, and high self-disclosure and clear about their relationship intentions. Yeah. Those things predict both an in-person and online dating success in their relationships and otherwise. However, if you are not interested in a relationship or you're not interested in being straightforward and you're having fun keeping people at a distance because that's the time of your life or that's where you want to be right now, then that's okay. But it's just sure. not particularly an effective strategy for women who are seeking, as those books claim, the one. Um, right. That kind of thing is not necessarily going to come to pass by using such strategies. That makes a lot of sense. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that there are maybe some good tidbits in these books, but by and large, probably not the best guidebooks for the average person. Probably not. Yeah. And, you know, people always ask me, how do I flirt with someone without it feeling awkward? Or how do I do this or that without it feeling awkward? And my answer to them is always, you don't. You do it until it maybe feels a little bit less awkward. And that means casting a wide net and getting comfortable with rejection and understanding at face value that, yeah, not every person who you attempt an interaction with is going to be interested or want to reciprocate that. So I agree. Yeah. That is a good thing. Yeah. And it's interesting, whether it's on television shows or whether it's on reality shows, it seems like the strategy they most come and get people to participate in practicing is doing what you just said, talking to people, feeling comfortable with the fact yep. that it's not always going to work out and to actually be okay with the idea of quick conversation may lead nowhere. And it's, exactly. It is just a conversation. Exactly. Exactly. So back to our subscriber question sure. about how to flirt <laughs> in the post Me Too movement. Now that we have a lay of the land of flirting kind of in a nutshell. It, it seems like what a lot of people are thinking is maybe they just have to go the polite route because that's the safe route sure. and you're going to establish this platonic connection. But that I can also see how that may not feel as exciting to people, or maybe they don't have the time for that and they want to establish a quicker connection. So do you have any advice for someone who's maybe struggling to understand where that line is today? Yeah, I, I think that that's a very difficult line to say is going to be always good in all circumstances. Okay. So let's let's start with the presumption that a lot of um, what Me Too was about was about uh, a men's abuse of power. You know, Harvey Weinstein being uh, being the most notorious, which was sexually predatory practices. You mm -hmm. know, enabled by a system of power around him. And I would point out that those kind of power differentials are still endemic to all of our society. As long as there'll be uh, people who are in power that are interested in people who are their subordinates, we're going to have problems of harassment. And it's not just from men harassing women. It, it can go either way, um, although it's much more likely that men would be harassing women. However, I would say that this doesn't necessarily mean the prohibition to showing interest is gone. There's a big difference between being predatory and being interested. And what I offer in the book are three different things that you can say communicatively that actually tend to be very, very high, both in effectiveness and also high in politeness, right? So okay. it's, it has a, a nice balance. One Get of those things, <laughs> yeah, well, one, one of those things is simply saying, you know, I'd like to get to know you more. Is there a chance we can hang out sometime? You know, is there a chance we get to know each other more? People might, it, that, there's nothing about that statement inherently that actually says, you know, anything sexual or dangerous. And it implies, you know, an, an, an openness to conversation and a person has a right to say no. And what's nice about that is from the receiver's point of view, it's a strategy that people actually rate as generally very clear. 
like I know what to expect. <laughs> you're you're right. looking to get to know me. Yeah. <laughs> and also the other pieces that you also kind of understand that it's an invitation to relational progress, meaning mm. someone didn't just say it to hang out. They did it because they're trying to accelerate the relationship. Yeah. Um, the other one I think that is that is also really effective is at the you know end of a meeting or at um, let's say that you meet somebody that you're only going to see one time or you're only going to see very briefly. People want to know, well, how do I get that message across? I'd like to see them again. Well, the best way to do so is say, I would like to see you again. Is there any way I can get in touch with you? You know, maybe that's a phone number. Some people I understand are actually uncomfortable giving out phone numbers and social media allows for the possibility of connecting with people without getting their phone number, which I get. There may be yeah. one barrier there. Mm -hmm. um, you can say, hey, look me up at this or my, my handle is that in order to facilitate that. But actually, that's actually a pretty not only a very common method of communicating to begin the relationship. But also signals, I like to continue to talk to you. I would like right. to continue to get to know you. So saying, I would like to see you again, what way can I reach you? Is an almost an invitation to say, well, how closely do I want to get to know you? Because if you really like the other person, you might give them a phone number, which is more intimate than saying, you can find me at Instagram at da 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 da. Mm -hmm. So even that can give you a clue of someone's interest. The third that I would mention is that, you know, being complimentary of a person's uh, character, a person's personality, who they are, what's interesting about them to you, right? Rather than you can obviously long, long tradition of being interested in a person based on their physicality or what they look yeah. like. But being interested in the person that they are, that tends to convey high level of politeness in the sense that it's not seen as sexually forward or aggressive, but typically conveys the message pretty strongly. I like you. I would like to get to know more about you. Mm -hmm. So the combination of compliments that are that are intended to be about that person specifically, I think you're fascinating. I'd love to get to know you more. I want to see you again, right? And can I? what way can I reach you? Mm -hmm. All of which are ways in which you can do so in a Me Too era, which I don't think immediately conveys a sense of um, aggressive aggressiveness or any of those things in ways that could create a problematic uh, inter you know, exchange. Um, of course, these issues are always more complicated in the workplace. Uh, they're less complicated when it comes to using online dating because everyone's mm -hmm. kind of there for the purpose of dating. But in any sort of ambiguous space, like meeting someone at a, a conference or, you know, meeting someone, you know, when you're traveling or otherwise, that creates a lot more ambiguity about how how much more clear and and, and obvious you can be. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. I think, yes, those are all such great tips. I hope people were taking notes because, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Like when I envision the ideal flirting situation, you know, you imagine maybe two people at a bar, someone comes over, sits a little bit closer to you. So you've got the proximity and maybe they start out with something complimentary about your appearance, but then they follow that up with, you know, it was really easy to talk to you, or I found it really interesting when you said this or that. And would it be okay if I get your number? How can I see you again? I mean, that all feels very natural, organic, and sincere and doable right. to me, you know? And I think, you know, I think also about where touch fits into this. And I think that's the big concern for people, especially in the Me Too, you know, era is, is it ever okay to touch anybody? And, you know, my advice to anyone listening would be to try to establish a little bit of maybe proximity and emotional connection before reaching over and maybe touching their hand or giving them a hug at the end of the night. I think that that kind of touch is probably okay. Um, once there is a conversation has been had, I think that if you walk up to someone and immediately touch them before, right, right. you know, some of this other stuff that that might be a little bit off-putting to people. Yeah. What are your thoughts? 
Well, especially post COVID, it's like anyone touches me, yeah. I'm like, ah, you're so I know. close. I know. Have you washed <laughs> your hands? I know. I know. <laughs> so, I, w- one thing I also like to think about when it comes to these things is that communication researchers talk about the idea that a context frames the relationship. So, the places that we meet and what we're doing in those contexts tell us what kind of relationship is allowable. And so when, you know, the initial answer to your question that you provided, I was imagining contexts that are really, really ambiguous. They're not clearly a dating context. They're not clearly a flirting context. But we know that for the 7% of people who have met their husband or wife at a bar, so it's a pretty low number, the, the progress that you're talking about is still pretty normative, right? Approach, compliment, lean in, buy drinks, pursue, right? It's 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 there. There's a There's a path. Yep. But that's how 93- my husband, that's actually how my husband got me. We were in that percentage that he picked me up there at a bar, go. but it was very natural, very yeah. natural. Not, yeah. yeah. I felt, I felt immediately comfortable with him because he did not come on too strong. All the stuff that we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. But in the, in that context, those sorts of behaviors are still okay. Right. It, right. It, as, as you describe them, they are totally suitable to the context. Mm-hmm. What's hard is, is for the 93% of us who don't meet that way, the context is really confusing. We're like, is okay. this okay? Is this enough? So one of the reasons that I recommend strategies that have to do with getting a phone number, following a follow-up time, talking to a person, uh, you know, a neutral location, like going out to eat or or having coffee or any of those things. Um, and I also have noticed that a lot of companies who offer the services of getting to know people offer the same thing. I think the reason they do that is now we know what we're doing. Like if you and I are sitting across from one another on a get-to-know-you date, we know certain things are allowed that may not have been allowed if we were working together, right? Or or if you were interviewing me, right? Because the context tells me it's all right to be a little more forthcoming with my interest or my attraction because that's what we're doing. (laughs) We we are communicating our attraction and assessing a fit. So in some sense, I would go so far as to say that once you, when you are in a context in which that it's acceptable to move forward to say, we're really on a date here, then being more transparent about your interest is actually also more allowable because another person will find it more flattering if it's also more authentic to the person that you are. I am truly interested in you. I'm interested in the person that you are in ways beyond just a pickup line can convey. Right, right. So take home, you know, note I would say is don't lay it on thick at the office, right? If there's someone at the office, for instance, that you're interested in, maybe you can say that I, I'd like to get to know you outside the office. Would that be okay? And you right. get their number. And then once you're out on the date, then engage in more of these overt flirt, flirting behaviors that we've discussed today. Yeah. And there's a, always a way to backtrack. If it doesn't end up working out by that first, oh, I'm seeing someone right now or I'm not interested, it doesn't ruin the relationship at the office place by making those those comments. Um, right. And then so, you felt awkward and that's, or something. Yeah. Exactly. And that's yeah. really valuable. You want to sustain the relationship with somebody, even if it comes to pass that they're already interested in someone else or they're just not a good fit. Right, right. Well, this is all such great advice. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and answering the subscriber question directly. The truth is, though, a lot of interaction is happening virtually and through technology, which is another area of interest for you. So I'm going to have you back on the show. If you guys liked this episode, be sure to tune into the next one because Dr. Hall is going to be back to talk all about how we can relate to each other through technology because that is the world we live in. So before we push people onto the next episode, for those listening, can you tell people where to learn more about you, your research, and to get your book? Absolutely. 
So the book is called The Five Flirting Styles. You can get it anywhere. And um, it's actually been around for a long time. So used copies are like a dollar. So you can oh, get nice. it really, really cheap. <laughs> um, the Five Flo the Flirting Styles inventory is hosted through KU. And you can find out more about it in your own flirting style. And that's always available. And it's, uh, you know, um, easily accessible. The last thing I'd say is about me is, you know, I'm university professor. Uh, I'm a professor at the University of Kansas. And, uh, you know, my research has been on flirting for over 10 years. So I'm, I'm glad to be on the show and share these thoughts with you. Awesome. And I'll just end with my own little piece of advice. And that is not to stop flirting once you're in a relationship. I think it's something that we stop doing. We kind of have this idea, okay, now we have our partner, there's a commitment and we don't have to flirt anymore. But I think it still goes a long way in communicating interest, keeping things playful, showing that you still care about what your partner has to say. So don't stop flirting. I think all of the styles that we've talked about today, you can still do, even if you're already in an established relationship. So don't forget to have fun. Thanks again for listening to Love and Libido with me, your host, Dr. Emily Jamia. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe and drop me a five-star review. Share with a friend who might find it interesting. As much as we can learn from experts, nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing from each other. If you have a story that relates to today's episode or just a general question about sex or your relationship, visit loveandlibido.com and I'll share it on an upcoming episode. Be sure to visit my website, emilyjamia.com to see my latest blogs and to check out my online workshop. Subscribers to my podcast can use code half off. Finally, you can follow me across all the social media channels for daily sex and relationship tips at Dr. Emily Jamia. Thank you so much for tuning in.